When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to the Chicago Audible Podcast, changing up the way Bears fans stay up to date on their favorite team since 2015. Now get ready. Because it's time to bear down. Welcome back, Bears fans, to another episode of the Chicago Audible. It's Thursday, July 9th, and we're getting closer to the start of training camp, which is now less than three weeks away. I'm Eros Holdaway, and I want to thank you for, for tuning in as we do have a great show in store for you. And of course, right here with me is my co-host, Nicholas Moriano. Nick, it's great to see you. I'm excited for tonight. We're actually doing a double recording night as we need to really crank out these Countdown to Camp episodes. But how are things going for you this week? Uh, they've been going well, Will. Uh, I always like doing these double episodes. It means that we're cramming in a lot of information, but it's going to be really insightful for all of our listeners. But I have been going back to Bears Fit, Will, and it's just felt great to be back in the gym. I know we were talking about this maybe a couple weeks ago, how I think you're still a little hesitant with you know everything going on. But for me, it's just been great to actually get out of the house and start lifting again. Yeah, I mean, luckily for you, you have a pretty big gym, so you can properly distance with other people. Here in my town, here in Bloomington, really small gym. Didn't really see people really following procedures, which really gets me hesitant. So, unfortunately, I'm paying for a gym membership that I'm just not ready to use (laughs) just yet, Nick. But you uh, getting back and bulking back up? That's what I'm trying to do. I, I go through these phases where I want to cut down, bulk up. I don't. I really don't even know what I'm doing. I guess I'm bulking up, but. Yeah, I'm just trying to work out, and I guess that'll do it. And the sled's your best friend, at least that's what I saw on Twitter this morning. That thing is evil. It's just just pure evil. Every time I, I do it, and I do it with an elevation mask, it, it gets me right after, so I get done with it. And then I try to walk it off, but I end up just walking to the bathroom like, is this going to happen? Am I going to puke? I didn't today, but come next week, leg day, we'll see what happens. Yeah, it looks like you're already getting those memories back, and I'm re-triggering you from your affair earlier today. But getting back to business, today's episode, it's our first preview of the Chicago Bears offense this summer. And if you missed any of the defensive previews, I do encourage you to go back and give those a lesson. But not yet. We're here, and we're ready to share our offensive preview for the Chicago Bears. Of course, their offensive line today. But before we officially dive on in, Nick, we did reach our goal which I'm very excited for. We have hit 600 reviews on Apple Podcasts, which means it's time to give away a free Chicago Bears jersey. I want to thank everyone who gave our show a review literally since the beginning of our show back in 2015. It means a lot to both Nick and myself to see the support for what we do. But Nick, I think we should just kind of start our show off by announcing the winner, right? How about you? Yeah, absolutely. Let's do it. 
All right. So the winner of the free jersey for the 600 mark is going to be Daniel Delahunty. Daniel, I want to say congratulations uh, for winning this jersey. A lot of people win this one. Really competitive, of course, but uh, Google gave you the lucky random number this time by. So make sure to give me an email. Send it out, will at chicagoaudible.com, or send us a message on Twitter or on Facebook. Let me know which jersey you want, which color you want it in, what size to put it in, and we'll make sure to send it out your way. But congrats, Daniel. Really awesome stuff for you. And if you didn't win this time, you're always in a running for the next Jersey giveaway, which will be when we hit 700 reviews on Apple Podcasts. So make sure to enter yourself for the next giveaway by leaving a review if you haven't yet. Again, congratulations, Daniel. But Nick, it's time to get down to business and begin breaking down the Chicago Bears offensive line heading into 2020. I was a little nervous starting these notes and getting into this line, but are you ready? Yeah, as you should have been, Will, but we're going to break it down here and hopefully make people feel a little bit better. I, I would hope. We'll see. Uh, we've done this before where we've came in shows not feeling it, and at least that thing is going to turn out to be positive when we find a way to do it. And I think this one's a good test of our skills. But let's go ahead and organize this episode like we've done in the past. And that's going to be, of course, by tiers. And let's start off with the four players that we know for certain are starting. And let's go ahead and begin on the left side and move our way down the line. So to start things off, we have Charles Leno Jr. Last year at this time, we had high hopes for Charles Leno Jr. He was coming off a Pro Bowl. It's not easy being the one everyone counts on to keep the facility running, no matter the weather or supply chain hiccup. But we get you, Raymond in Buffalo and Maria in Miami, Jules in Minneapolis and Stan in central Indiana, taking control of everything that's under your control. At Granger, we're here for you with experienced branch staff at over 250 locations so you get the product you're looking for. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Season, he's a player that seemed to improve each and every year here in Chicago and Last season, though, was perhaps his first time that we kind of saw some regression and not really any true steps forward. Leonard Jr. was plagued by penalties, uh, led the team with 13, also had a harder time being a consistent player in terms of his past production, giving up a career-high five sacks to go with a team-high 40 pressures allowed, which was 15 more than any other Chicago Bear. So, Nick, obviously we need to see a bounce back across the board for Leno Jr., but what areas of his game do you anticipate seeing improvement and why so? Well, the thing is with Leonard Jr. just watching his tape where I think he got himself in, in trouble as a tackle, you don't want to get yourself really separated from the rest of the linemen. I thought a lot of times last year, especially going up against some of the better edge rushers that he would have to face, Leno would go to the edge rusher. So if he's going out on an island against a Joey Bosa, for example, which wasn't a good game at, at all for any of the Bears offensive linemen, but he went out there, and then you're just giving that edge rusher so many opportunities to hit you with a variety of different moves. So I think with Leno Jr. and now having Juan Castillo, who's uh, we have to mention him a bunch of times throughout this episode because he's fundamental in what these offensive linemen are hopefully going to be able to do this season, hopefully just cleans up that technique a little bit because I think that's what it really was with Leno, just kind of putting himself in bad positions to start. And then obviously once the play happens – you go in against some of these very talented edge rushers, you're going to have like the penalties that you mentioned. You're going to have the pressures you're giving up. So I think that's the big thing with Leno. You just want to see him not go out to meet these guys, but you know, try to absorb contact, stay with, stay in front of your man. There were just times where Leno Jr. wasn't able to do that. And if you have that happen, no wonder Mitch Trubisky is trying to escape the pocket. And if Nick Foles starts, 
you're just asking for disastrous things to happen. So I think that's one area of his game where hopefully Juan Castillo can maybe just coach him up a little bit to maybe not have those same mistakes replicate themselves in 2020. Yeah, penalties is what I have too here, Nick, because I know he's led the team more years than not ever since he became that full-time starter. But just going back to 2018, where this offensive line was really in a groove, he was the least penalized offensive lineman on the entire team, and I would love to get him back to that. I know last year, especially early on, he had issues with his hands, um, and I know the NFL kind of changed how they're calling those holding penalties and took him a while to adjust. But after he found out what they were calling and watching it on film, I know he was able to make that adjustment get back to business and not being nearly as highly penalized in the second half of the season. It's all really about when it comes to Leno Jr., it's just that focus and making sure uh, he's not grabbing all too much. But do you have any expectations for Charles Leno Jr.? Are you going to hold him to that Pro Bowl level that we saw a couple of years ago? That's where we were last year at this time? Or are you like me where I'm starting to probably make my expectations for him a little bit more modest? Yeah, I think that would be the best route because I think if we hold them to these Pro Bowl expectations, we're almost setting ourselves up to be disappointed. Um, not to say that Leno Jr. can't replicate those results, but it's just hard to do so. And it's really going to all come down to what Juan Castillo is going to instill in him and now being not with, obviously, Harry Heastan this year, seeing the difference that he can bring to Leno's game. Maybe just simplifies things. Maybe that's what it is, but... I think that going that Pro Bowl expectation level for Charles Leno Jr., being a former seventh-round draft pick and really exceeding our expectations from the get-go would be something that's just going to lead to disappointment down the road. So I'm going to temper expectations. Just play solid. Just don't have those those penalties that were plaguing him really early on in the season and just don't get beat as often. It, offensive linemen are going to get beat. It's going to happen. There's so many good edge rushers and these defenses bring all these complex blitzes. It's going to happen at some point. Just don't let it happen as often as it did in 2019. That could go for all the linemen. To be right. I was going to say copy and paste, copy and paste all the way down this show, Nick. And we probably wrap yeah. it up here in about five minutes, but of course we're going to be a little bit more in depth than that. Our um, next question real quick on Charles Leno Jr. is, how much of last year's struggles do you think were just him being mentally beat? I think he was a little bit at times, a little bit too caught up in his own head, overthinking. He just didn't seem like as fast and as reactive as we've seen in years past, uh, getting out of his stance, uh, trying to set that edge a little bit and protect it. it. seemed like he was just always a step slower in 2019 compared to what we've seen in the past. And when you see that from offensive linemen, at least from my perspective, it's just that he's probably overthinking his duties, his assignment on really any given down. Do you kind of have that same sense where uh, Leno Jr., and this could probably, again, be applied across the board here, but specifically for Leno Jr. being a little bit more in his head than in years past, and he needs to get back to that reactionary instinctive type of football? Yeah, that could definitely be the case. And I, I wonder if the expectations for 2019, you know, maybe putting that on every one of these players itself and then seeing the results not happen. I think players do get in their own head. It definitely happens. But what you mentioned, really players maybe taking a step slow because they're thinking too much. I think that really, really applies to the next guy we're going to talk about at, at left guard with uh, James Daniels. But it definitely could be a possibility for Charles Leno Jr. as well, because it just looked at it looked like at times a lot of these guys were a step slow. I don't know if Harry Heastan, what he was trying to implement here just wasn't being put into these guys head the way that he envisioned and then out on the field it just never happened but it just seemed like there were times where a lot of these guys were slow and we'll definitely talk about the rest of them for sure 
Uh, Tristan here, our moderator, longtime moderator, big time fan of the show. Tristan, great to see you here in the chat. You brought up a good point that we don't really have any other alternatives at left tackle right now on the roster. Does that make Charles Leno Jr. out of every player we're going to discuss here? I'm not going to say he's more important, but we have the most to lose if he does continue to show that regression just because we may have a swing tackle. We still need to figure that one out, but there's really no true fit at left tackle on this team. And we'll talk about our depth concerns later on, but does that make his uh, Leno Jr. being his ability to rebound and bounce back just that much more important? I think so. I mean, when you look at it, if Charles Leno Jr. were to go down with an injury or something, I don't really know who steps up to fill that role right here. Just looking at, you know, we obviously have all the players listed and we're going to talk about them, but there's not a clear solution for a guy that's just going to fill in and be serviceable, even at that, just serviceable. So it is very important that Leno just plays... You know, I would even take mediocre. Well, like it, it doesn't have to be spectacular, or good. Like just be a decent left tackle, and I think the Bears could. They'll take that from what what happened last year. Obviously, we want better for Leno Jr., but it's important that he, he rebounds because, like you said, he's he's really the only guy that plays that left tackle position. Can instead of mediocre, can we just say average? Yeah, I'm good with average. I'll take average. Okay. Mediocre. I was like, eh, I don't know if I can really stomach that. I'll take, I don't, <laughs> I think mediocre is a step down from average. So let's set the bar at average for this season. And we'll talk about the future here. Uh, maybe not today, but of course, we're always keeping our eye on that one as well. But Nick, you mentioned next guy up here, James Daniels, after putting together a very strong rookie season that had us all excited about his future at being a long term solution up front for the Bears, Daniels suffered from a dreaded sophomore slump. There was that field experiment moving him to center, um, but after swapping him back to the guard, his play did lean back toward that level that we saw in 2018. And remember, he's still a very young player. He's at the age of 22, which is younger than a lot of the top offensive linemen that were drafted this year. And a good chunk of his experience uh, has came early since he came here in Chicago since he's been drafted. He is, what, 22? He's already appeared in 32 career games uh, with a ton of starts as well. So he's young. He has a lot of experience. Uh, so combining that youth and experience, Nick, my expectations and aspirations are going to be high for James Daniels this year. I want to know, what do you see that gives you hope for Daniels taking a step forward in the 2020 season? And why should it be different than perhaps, especially early on from a year ago? Yeah, I think it's a tale of the two sides from James Daniels. I think when he was playing center to start off this uh, the 2019 season, you saw a lot of what you were maybe saying about Charles Leno Jr., where he was just a step slow. The Bears love to utilize that outside-inside zone, and with a lot of things, it's about reaching guys and getting in the right position to block. It just seemed like at times for James Daniels, it was a little hesitant. Where do I have to actually go? What's the best route to take to get to the defensive lineman? How do I get to the second level? And as I was watching some of the tape from the beginning of the season, you saw James Daniels just playing slow. He's an athletic lineman, and when they made the transition, I think it was the first game against Detroit, and put him back to left guard and Cody Whitehair to center, you saw James Daniels, I think, come alive a little bit. You saw him actually get in front of people, reaching guys, getting in position, pulling and getting to second level, and I was like, the, the clear difference where he's just not having to think about what he has to do, where if he has to call out the Mike linebacker or things like that, that puts the Bears offensive line in the offense in the best position when James Daniels is able to use his athleticism and speed and just obviously blocking ability 
without thinking as much. And I think that's the that's why I'm hopeful for James Daniels. If they actually stay with him at left guard and Cody Whitehair at center, that's going to be the best thing, I think, for this offense and just for the continuity of this group. But that's why I have hope. That left guard position, he just plays faster. And if he's playing faster, he's not making as many mistakes. Correct. And my question for you on top of this, I'm sorry to be going right back to you here, but you brought up some good points about this being a better fit. And I know you, of course, you've been a fan of James Daniels since his days at Iowa, where you went to school. And are you disappointed that he's end up probably going to be ended up a guard here? I know when he got drafted, we assumed guard early, transitioned to center. And like you said, it just seemed like it was a little bit too much on his plate. Again, it could change here in a few years, but it, like you, I agree. He should say put. I really don't want to keep flip-flopping these two guys. But is that a disappointment to you to have him at a guard and he wasn't able to take that step to center? I don't think so, really. I mean, when you look at the center guard position, those those two, I guess, positions are kind of interchangeable in what you want. Obviously, you want the smarter player, I think, playing the center position just because there's so much responsibility there. And yes, that's what James Daniels played at Iowa, and you just thought it would be a seamless fit. But as he's probably come to know, these defenses are complex. They come from all different directions. But if he can be, and this is a stretch because we, we still have a lot to see from James Daniels, a Pro Bowl guard, I'm perfectly fine with that. I think Bears fans would be too. I think we were just all anticipating the center being that position just because that's what he played at Iowa. But then there was so much flip-flopping going around. And if Cody Whitehair, uh, and he said uh, with Jeff Joniak and Tom Thayer just in an interview not too long ago that he likes playing center, that I'm fine with that. If those two players are fine with their respective positions, center and guard, as they are right now, I'm not too disappointed with that. I think we just all had the anticipation of James Daniels just being that center, having that seamless fit, because he did it at Iowa, which just produces offensive linemen year after year. Correct. No, I totally get that. I do, of course, when you're looking at any player's career trajectory that was that step, I think personally a little disappointed. It's not like it's going to end his career or anything of that nature, of course, but was hoping he can take that step. And another, obviously, I think his job, any job at NFL center is hard. Do you think it was harder uh, due to who was behind center, not being able to read some of those as well, some of those packages, and maybe centers are asked to do a little bit more in the Bears offense compared to maybe some others around the league. I'd, I've heard rumblings of that, and that's why they put, uh, of course, Whitehair back because he's been there, has that experience, and can help Trubisky kind of call out and point out some of these blitzes that perhaps number 10 was unable to recognize himself. Yeah, I don't know like how that works with the responsibility or what how much weight is put on you know, center and the quarterback, but you also got to take into consideration like Cody Whitehair and Mitch Trubisky. They are they are a tight combo there. I mean, it was what Cody Whitehair is a grandfather. Yeah, no, Mitch Trubisky is a grandfather of uh, Cody Whitehair's daughter. I think godfather, a, right? Godfather, yeah, grandfather. Sorry. Well, uh, I mean, yeah, dang. I'm already aging him a little too, uh, too too fast here, but they have a really good connection. So I think that also maybe helps in wanting to keep this this sw- position switch permanent. Oh, well, again, we'll see. Maybe come training camp, maybe they're switching again, but that can also play a factor into it. And I think Cody Whitehair, he's just such a professional in what he's able to do and how he's able to diagnose defense. He's had a little bit, obviously, more time than James Daniels to do it. But, yeah, it's hard to say how much weight is put on the center or the quarterback and trying to diagnose what's actually going on. 
There you go. I served it up and you kind of tiptoed around it, Nick, which is kind of what I was expecting there. But let's go ahead. We've mentioned Cody White here enough. I think it's time to kind of segue on over into him. And if you don't recall, he did sign a five-year, $51 million extension right before that 2019 season started last September. Uh, That way he didn't have to play in the final leg of his rookie contract. He also adjusted this contract uh, just this past offseason to make some more cap space for guys uh, like the free agents that came our way, like Robert Quinn, Nick Foles. Uh, right here, he recently spoke about his motivation, and he's feeling some anger about how that 2019 season unfolded. And I know on the field last year, he was the most consistent player that the Bears had up front. Whether he's at guard, whether he transitioned back to center, no matter where he was, he was able to plug and play and just be a consistent guy. Only allowed 19 pressures, which is the least of any of the starters on the team. So, Nick, with Cody White here, where he is, he's been around for quite some time. I think we know what to expect out of him. Uh, do you think there's still more potential untapped with Cody White here that we can see some continued growth this year, especially if they keep him in a consistent spot? Yeah, I think so. I think just watching Cody White here, you can definitely tell who is the best offensive lineman that the Bears have, and it's easily Cody White here. Uh, like I mentioned earlier, a big thing with what these linemen have to do in this in Matt Nagy's offense especially an outside inside zone is reaching, reaching that next defender going to second level. Cody Whitehair, regardless of what he, whether he was at guard or center is phenomenal at doing that and putting himself in a position to just wall off defenders and to give guys like David Montgomery tree Cohen an opportunity to get those extra yards. So I think if you leave him there at center, let him actually just stay at that position. He's only going to get better. And obviously, have it going back and forth, he, there's different responsibilities that go with it. I think you can expect even better things from Cody Whitehair if that continuity remains. I, I loved what I saw from him, even though the unit itself was terrible. Will like we're not gonna get away from that. It was bad, but Cody Whitehair, he was good. I, I liked what I saw from him, just reaching the second level and giving his running backs opportunities. Can't say that about the rest of the guys that played. Uh, on that offensive line, but I think there is definitely room to grow. And if he stay remains in that same spot, it can definitely happen. Yeah, obviously we've seen a lot of growth from White here throughout his time. Uh, he's someone who we had a lot of snap issues uh, early on in his career. It was a weekly topic on our post game shows. You know, oh, those snaps interfering the play timing, leading to potential turnovers. It wasn't pretty, but it's something that we haven't had to talk about in a couple of seasons, uh, which is great, except I just brought it up here. But just trying to show that he has taken some of his weaknesses and he's able to turn them into non-issues. And I believe, like you said, uh, he was really good last year. I mentioned he was the most consistent player we've had for the offensive line. And I believe that, like you, he should be able to take a step forward, just get a little bit stronger, a little bit wiser, a little bit quicker. And I think all those combined should lead to another really good season uh, for Cody White here, Mr. Consistency for the Chicago Bears up front. Anything else on White here before we move on? It's good that I think it, having him in the center of everything helps out whoever's going to play right guard. And obviously James Daniels. I think that is also another reason why if the Bears are going to make this move permanent, it works out for the betterment of the entire offensive line. Absolutely. Can't really disagree with you there, Nick. All right, so to wrap up the returning starters, let's take a look at Bobby Massey. 
Massey will be entering his fifth season in Chicago and the fifth as the team's starting right tackle. Massey missed the final five games last season due to a high ankle sprain. He missed another game earlier in the season due to having a, uh, a vertigo episode. It was unusual for Massey to miss so much time. Uh, he's been very uh, consistent with his availability throughout his entire tenure in Chicago without really having to miss any stretches of games, just a few here and there. But Nick, Massey needs a very interesting topic. He used to be a butt of a lot of our jokes early on in our podcast history, as well as his Chicago Bears career. But he steadily increased at a very strong 2018 season where I believe he was the only tackle in the NFL who had over 600 pass block attempts to not allow a single sack. But then just like everyone else in this entire offense, he's not alone. We just saw some steps backwards. So someone who did get better for some years, like Charles Leno Jr., taking a step backward, very much an identical situation. So with that, I know Bobby Massey's a different person. So what should we expect out of him in 2020? Yeah, again, with maybe technique is the biggest thing that I want to see improved with Bobby Massey, especially when he's putting his hands and trying to get his hands on defensive linemen. It just seems like just watching the tape, there's a lot of times where he just missed with his hand checks. Or if he did get them, there's a guy like a Joey Bosa who's just able to smack those hands off of uh, off of him to get after the quarterback. It just that seemed like a consistent problem with Bobby Massey, where as big as he is, there needs to be some pop and some you know pushback when he's able to get his hands on guys. But you first need to connect, and that was right. just an issue that I saw consistently, regardless of who the edge rusher was or how they were actually bringing the pressure, whether it was on a stunt. His hands were very inconsistent last year. I don't know why that was the reason. We've seen, like you said earlier when he was with the Bears, where maybe he he was more consistent at least. It could just be a contagious thing where every, when the whole line's bad, everybody's going to be bad, except for Cody Whitehair for um, <laughs> you know particular parts. But I think that's, again, going back to Juan Castillo. He's probably going to see similar things on tape and probably a lot more than I can identify just watching it and trying to refine things because Bobby Massey at this point in his career, you're not really expecting him to become a whole completely different player. Just refine some of the technique things that you messed up and consistently messed up in 2019 and make it better for 2020. It doesn't have to be an all pro or, you know, a pro bowler, just like we that, the word that we used earlier, not mediocre. But average, I we will take that at the tackle positions as of right now because really it's it's way better than what we saw in 2019. I mean, mediocre Massey does have a ring to it, Nick. It does. It's not the best. It's not a good <laughs> ring to have, though. It's not. But I think average or right on that cusp of that average line is what really we should expect from Massey. It's what we've seen out of him. Uh, Nick, you hit on it. He really just has a hard time of making sure people don't get around that edge. He's a little slow to get into his, you know, get into that hitch uh, to kind of square himself up. Like if he's a run blocker, we've seen some good things. He can drive some guys out of plays. Um, but when there's a true edge rusher and they're not trying to go through him, they're trying to go around him. Uh, that's when he needs some additional help, whether it's a chip from a back, a chip from a tight end or an H back. Uh, that's where he does need that assistance. I don't anticipate that changing, um, but just like Charles Leno Jr., there's really no one here to step in, challenge him for this job, and take it. So I think Bobby Massey, we're going to have to play with him here for another season. We'll see how this goes here for the future. But in terms of expectations, you know, modest at most is where I'm at. You're calling for the impossible, or not really, but when you mentioned all-pro or pro-bowl level of play. So obviously that's not going to be the case, but I'll take an average season, somewhere in the top – 
20 realm would put me in a pretty good spot. Top 20 in terms of what? Would you put that right tackles only, Nick, or total tackles? I would say probably right tackles only. Yeah, because, I mean, 20 overall for all tackles. I mean, that means Bobby Massey's, you know, better than average, which we're not expecting. So right tackle, yeah, just around... You know that sixteen to twenty range that would be that would be fantastic for Bobby Massey, but I think more of the twenty and maybe a little bit lower to be completely honest would be right where he's probably going to play in twenty twenty. All right, well I'm not gonna harp on Massey too much. I'm sure we have plenty of time throughout twenty twenty to kind of do that uh, in when time allows. But I do have a big picture question before we get into that second tier. We all know uh, these guys will have some continuity, which is gonna be key. Uh, we've mentioned Juan Castillo, who should be able to help as well but the bears are just so bad last year especially the offensive line and all the categories whether it's pressures allowed but more in particular here uh, just allowing the bears to do anything on the ground uh, ranking 27th in the nfl in yards per game and obviously the offensive line really just did fail in that regard but what can i do this year to maybe help the backs out just a little bit more as a whole entire unit because for me when i'm looking at them I just see the need for them to work on getting into those gaps a little bit quicker. We talked about that speed earlier on. The Bears run that zone scheme, and the responsibility for those is a lot of those play side gaps, and too often they're just too slow to kind of hit their marks. They allow those defenders to kind of penetrate the gaps, get some push, which is allowing them, or disallowing them, I should say, to reach that second level consistently. And they're just having a hard time dealing with the defensive line. And in his own scheme, you really need guys like your Cody White here, your backside guard, to really be able to reach that second level to take care of linebackers, which will open up some of that space. Because we'll talk about the running backs here later tonight and for the podcast the next episode. But just too many times, David Montgomery is getting contacted in the backfield or right at the line of scrimmage. We just need to see some consistent holes open up, which I, to me, would all begin with just playing a little bit faster and really hitting and getting into those gaps. How about you? You know, and you mentioned great points there, Will, and, you know, that's something I would definitely mention. Another thing, and what realistically should be in every offensive lineman everywhere, they just got to be more physical. Like, there's a lot of times, and you mentioned it, Will, where there were defenders in the backfield right at the snap. That means there's no resistance. That means guys are, like you just mentioned, a step slow. But there's also a a physicality point to this. The Bears' front five needs to actually push people off the ball mm-hmm. and not take it. There were so many times where short yard situations where Matt Nagy almost elected to run, try to run outside because there just isn't maybe the confidence of this unit to provide a push. So I'm thinking where that's going to come from is inside, deep down within each of one of each of these guys. And Juan Castillo's got to bring it out of him. That's simply what it is. So that's what I want to see. Just a little bit more aggression, a little bit more physicality, push people off the ball, give your guys like David Montgomery a chance because if he's already having to make two guys miss in the backfield, as soon as he gets a snap, you're not going to get most likely positive yards out of that play already behind the chains. And we know the Bears offense can barely get first downs or stay on the field when it's an even playing field. Put them back a few yards. You're just setting up for things to not play in your favor. So more physical. It's not easy being the one everyone counts on to keep the facility running, no matter the weather or supply chain hiccup. But we get you, Raymond in Buffalo and Maria in Miami. 
Jules in Minneapolis, and Stan in Central Indiana. Taking control of everything that's under your control. At Granger, we're here for you with experienced branch staff at over 250 locations so you get the product you're looking for. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Physicality is what I would love to see out of the offensive lineman here in Chicago. We need it. Physicality, playing faster. All, the entire offense is really going to hinge on the offensive line's ability to rebound from last season. If we see a, a, play, a whole year, just like we did a year ago, we may see minimal improvement at best out of this offense. But if they can take a step up or a couple of steps forward or back to the 2018 level, that's when we should see this offense really come together. It's really going to hinge, like I said, on this offensive line's ability to figure it out and put all the pieces together. But all right, Nick, up next, we do have our second tier. I actually broke it into tier 2A and tier 2B. What does that mean? You'll find out soon enough, Nick, and so will our listeners. But first, uh, do you want to let people know how they can support our show? Yeah, so if you want to get a shout-out on the next podcast, you could send a $5 donation through Venmo or PayPal, and we ask that you give us your name and also where you're from, so then when we give out the shout-out, you can get uh, you know that little incentive as well. Um, you can look up our Venmo username is the Chicago Audible. You should see my name, Nicholas Moriano, and the Chicago Audible logo. Then on PayPal, you can make the donation to ChicagoAudible.com/slash/PayPal. For everyone that sent in donations, you know, throughout what the couple of months now, I feel like since we started this. We can't thank you enough. It's been awesome to see that, to see where everybody is from, our international listeners to, you know, people just around the United States. It's been awesome to get that. Again, it helps us to do what we love doing, and that's just providing you with the best Bears coverage possible. Uh, again, we can't thank you enough, but uh, you could send a $5 donation through Venmo or PayPal. And one last time, the username is the Chicago Audible for Venmo and then PayPal, chicagoaudible.com slash PayPal. Yes, no shout-outs this week, unfortunately, which will be for the offensive line and the running back show, but we have to, the show does go on, and like you said, Nick, thank you to everyone who's done it in the past. Was, of course, we're going to hit a dry spell eventually. We all know that's going to happen, but if, if you're listening and you haven't helped out yet and supported the show, it would be a great time to definitely do so as we kind of embark here on our 2020 journey. But Nick, getting back to this Bears offensive line, entering that second tier, which I'm going to call 2A, which is three guys where I'm going to lump into the right guard battle. We have Jermaine Effetti. It was a free agent signing this year. We've talked about him on a handful of episodes already, but in short, he's a player who has a ton of starting experience in Seattle after being drafted in the first round. Raw talent with a ton of physicality. And of course, uh, just athleticism as well. But we saw him put together... Uh, in Seattle, a distant spurts, and the hope is Juan Castillo can really tap into Effetti's potential at right guard, which is arguably his best fit up front, as opposed to tackle, where he spent the majority of his career to date. And then, of course, you have Rashad Coward, which, by the way, Nick, I'm proud that Rashad Coward is up here in Tier 2. Uh, too many years in the past, he was one of the last people uh, that we would mention in the Countdown to Camp episode, just do the position switch, not knowing where he's going to fit, if he's even going to make the team. Not saying he's a lock this year, but to have him up here, someone who was able to make that successful switch from nose tackle to right tackle to actually ending up having to play right guard last year because Kyle Long went down, which is yet another new position for him, where he definitely struggled, 
But still, it was expected. I mean, they moved him around so much, and he's still very raw, but he's someone in the mix. And then I'm going to throw in Alex Bars, the highly, highly touted, undrafted free agent out of Notre Dame a year ago. Uh, he was looking to be a high-round pick before that really bad knee injury changed that story. Last year, he made the team as part of the practice squad, got elevated throughout the season, but only 11 snaps last year, but still a fan favorite. Now, Nick, out of this group, I have a hard time believing that anyone other than Jermaine Effetti is going to end up as the team's starting right guard. I think that's pretty clear. They haven't said so yet, but I believe it's going to kind of take care of itself. Is this the same for you, or is this competition a little bit more open in your eyes? No, I think when it comes down to it, once training camp starts and once the first unit actually goes out there, even though Jermaine Effetti hasn't been here too long, He's most likely going to be the guy that's with the starting four that we just talked about. I think it's the experience that he has playing, you know, a couple positions. But in college, he was primarily playing guard, and they moved him out to tackle because of, of a need basis. Same kind of thing happened in Seattle. So I think when it comes down to it, you're going to be you're going to see Jermaine Effetti in his most comfortable position. That's what he said during his little video conference that. He does feel like he's comfortable playing inside, but he'll do whatever, of course, the team asks of him. And uh, one of the reasons why I feel like he's going to be the guy, the right, starting right guard, is the faith that he has in Juan Castillo and that being reciprocated right back, Juan Castillo, to Jermaine Effetti. Um, he said just looking at Juan Castillo, he has a history of making guys better. Jermaine Effetti having success in Chicago is that he will get better as well. Let's move down to Tier B. Uh, tier 2B, otherwise known as the two rookie tackles, a.k.a. you got Ham and Pig. Arlington Hambright, rookie tackle slash guard out of Colorado. Latchavius Simmons, the rookie tackle out of Tennessee State. Uh, we've talked about both of them in the show, both our instant reactions as well as the episode where we learn more about each of the draft picks, but I think they deserve their own spot here in this episode as well. I believe both have an understanding that uh, – these players are more projects than anything, at least at this point in their careers. Not really expecting to see them much a or F at all this year. Uh, is that accurate, Nick? Yeah, I would think so. When I was thinking about Arlington Hambright and Lechevy Simmons obviously being seventh-round draft picks, you don't want to see these guys on, on the field, really, in, in 2020. Just because of, again, given where they're being drafted at, but there's still a lot left to see from these guys. I was able to talk to both their college coaches, and of course they're going to say all the best things about Hambright and Simmons, but for the best-case scenario for this Bears offensive line, they just need to develop and just kind of learn this offense, learn how to... I think they both have experience running inside and outside zone. They both did it at their respective colleges, but it's still a much bigger step than at Colorado or Tennessee State than to be asked to play significant snaps in the NFL for a unit that has already struggled. So it's putting a lot of pressure on these guys if you want to ask for significant minutes or anything like that. But, yeah, this is just going to be a year, I think, of development and just learning the offense. And then maybe next year, Will, we could talk about where we kind of see these two guys. But that's where I have them pegged right now. Yeah, it's hard to really have any higher aspirations. It's tough. You're not always going to find a Charles Leno Jr. type in the seventh round. Uh, for every Charles Leno Jr., you probably have a few, uh, what, Teo Fabulujes? So you just never know what you're going to find down there, but a lot to learn from them. And honestly, I'm excited. It's tough. Uh, as we talked about preseason being cut to two games, you may not get as many extended looks for some of these guys, 
Um, but I am excited for their time in these games. We won't be able to watch training camp practices, so whatever glimpses we can get out of them, I know I'm personally looking forward to. All right, and finally, we have the third tier for the offensive linemen, where we have a handful of players. We have Jason Spriggs, tackle from my alma mater, IU. Unfortunately for him, he did have to play up north in Green Bay for a few seasons. He's dealt with some injuries over the last two years, including missing all of last season, uh, but he's vying to earn a job as the Bears swing tackle. You have Sam Mustafer, last year's undrafted free agent center out of Notre Dame. He's back for another go. Then you have Dino Boyd, undrafted free agent last season, who started in Kansas City, but ended up going to the Bears practice squad last November. You have Corey Levin, drafted by the Titans all the way back in 2017. He's appeared in only one season and has one career start. And then you have Badara Treor. He's an undrafted free agent out of LSU, was actually the team's backup right tackle, which is Interesting, as you know, LSU has a lot of talent, but for someone who's actually a backup offensive lineman to earn a spot or get a spot on a team's training camp roster is still pretty impressive, but not a lot of sample size when you're looking at him. So, Nick, for you, does any one of these players kind of stand out to you over the others? For me, if I have two, it's going to be Jason Spriggs, just because I know what he was able to do here at IU. Um, when healthy, he's he's average. I'm not going to say mediocre. He's average, uh, which for your swing tackle, you will accept. Um, and then also Sam Mustafer. He was one of the only undrafted free agent offensive linemen from last year, he and Alex Bars, to kind of make it all the way to this point and still being on the roster. But does anyone else stand out to you or any more insight on any of these two players? Jason Spriggs is a guy that I like just because of the experience that he had playing just with the Green Bay Packers. Four seasons there, 36 games with nine starts, seven at right tackle, two at right guard. So he has that experience there, and that swing tackle position is open for the Bears. So it would make sense if the Bears wanted to go that route, bringing somebody with experience to kind of play that role, which is not going to see a lot of snaps in 2020 or just you know throughout a NFL career. But you want to get a guy that you know is going to be able to do their job. So Jason Spriggs obviously makes sense there. And then you were talking about Badara Traore. I don't know how to Traor. pronounce that name. Traore. Butchered it. Sorry. But the reason why I like him, maybe as opposed to some of the other guys, and maybe this applies a little bit to them too, but he does come from an established program at LSU. And we've seen the Bears kind of like taking those guys or taking chances with them. One of the last guys that they took from that LSU program, Kevin Tolliver, same situation, undrafted free agent, made his way onto the team and, you know, is in what we said is maybe competition with Jalen Johnson. Not really, but it's the same kind of situation. We could see that he obviously has that, that championship experience. You could see what he can bring to the Bears, but I'm not going to go out on a limb and say Traore's going to make it or anything like that. But I have to, if I had to put on one of these guys, Jason Spriggs would definitely be the one. Okay. And next up, we actually do need to make some roster predictions here. So, Nick, I just want to know a number. How many do you have staying or making this team? I have a solid even eight. Same here. Eight, okay. eight offensive linemen. All right, I'll just name who I have one by one. You tell me where we kind of go different paths if we do at all. I have Leno Jr. I think we're good on that one. Daniels, Whitehair, Massey, Afedi. I have Spriggs. I have Bars. And then I have Coward question mark, but I'm torn between Coward and maybe Longshot here perhaps, but... If it's going to be a rookie seventh-round pick making the team, 
I think it would lean towards Hambright uh, just because he can play guard uh, as well. So someone is more in the interior. But I'm curious to who you have. I, I have Coward making it now uh, just because I think he's really uh, – the coaches are fond of him. That's why he's been sticking around for as long as he has. Uh, obviously, things can change. They bring in competition every year. And I think you can keep both of the seventh-round draft picks on the practice squad. Uh, that's why I think Hambright would be more suited there for this season. But how about you? I have the exact same eight that you have, Will. So no difference in the final guy, which was, for me, it was Jason Spriggs over Rashad Coward, but they're neck and neck there. I think um, with those seventh-round draft picks and Simmons and Hambright, you can get away with putting them on the practice squad and not have a fear of them being poached. Obviously, the Bears took them you know, back-to-back or in that seventh round uh, because they, they wanted to see if they could get some developmental guys, not guys to really put on the roster now. And I don't think any other NFL team is going to see these two guys and be like, okay, if we take them, they have to be on the roster. So I don't think that's going to be the case either. If it was one of them, I would agree with you. Again, Will, Hambright is someone that has played all all five positions on the offensive line. So he has that versatility and that experience of just playing different positions and what it takes to be a good lineman at those positions. So I think he would have the slight edge over Simmons. But at this point in time, I don't see either one making the 53, they can be on the practice squad and you could see them develop over time. But same exact day as you, same exact guy, if he were one of the seventh round draft picks, were to make it in Hambright. But we, we just uh, we just think alike here on this. We do. It makes a lot of sense, though. I don't think it's really rocket science to put all of this together. So I'm not all too surprised we have the same eight or having Hambright as the, having the edge over Simmons. I think Hambright's a little bit more polished. Simmons is definitely more of that project base. Um, so that makes a lot of sense, obviously, uh, to myself. So uh, interesting. We have eight. I don't again, I have no idea what this does. So our final count, we probably have 53 already. And we just started the offense, but we'll figure it out here in due time. But Nick, if our Internet service allows, it's time to play some over under um, as well as some true and false bold predictions and our confidence meter. So to kick things off, I have an over under of 40 sacks allowed. 45 were allowed by this offensive line last season but i'm sitting the over under at 40 what are you gonna what are you gonna put man you're hoping juan castillo can improve this group and they had 45 last season you put it at 40 i'll go under 39 so i mean it's still probably a number that you don't want to be around but there is improvement right and maybe it depends on the quarterback too i think on who what the sack numbers could be but i'll go under with 39 sacks Right. No, it definitely gets finicky, especially because we don't know who's going to be under center. But I have under, and I, in my notes, I have 38. So very close to what I had there, Nick, as well. Good call. Uh, over under 30 penalties for offensive linemen here in Chicago. Uh, 30 is the same number that they had last year. I'll go I'll go under. I think it's a lot of the things that were penalized for a lot of these offensive linemen. Can It's correctable. And with hopefully Juan Castillo, he can make those corrections to each one of these guys. So I will go under the 30. I, I don't know where to put a number on this, maybe 25. I don't know where that puts them in rankings and towards the NFL, but they will get better and have less penalties. I have the under at 27 too. Obviously, Charles Leno Jr., as we mentioned at the top of the show, uh, needs to clean it up. And the only way I even get a little bit iffy here is – Jermaine Effetti. Uh, we do both have anticipate him starting, and he too has had in, uh, not injury, 
penalty issues throughout his career, uh, being plagued for those, so wondering to see if he can get it cleaned up. Um, but like you, Juan Cancio should help. So for me, I'm going to take the under here. It, if we want this offense to be what it should be, we need the under here. We don't want to have a, an over of last year's mark. Uh, next up, I have a true or false. There will be at least one pro bowler on the offensive line for 2020. I'll go with true. And that pro bowler, if there is going to be one, most likely would be Cody Whitehair. He's been the most consistent, like you mentioned earlier in the podcast, Will, um, throughout his time here in Chicago. But he's definitely got all the attributes and characteristics to be a Pro Bowl player. So, true. All right. I have true as well. I didn't put a player to it. Why not just go different and say James Daniels? Let's not. Let's go for it. I think that would make you happy. It would. I think that would be good for, for everybody. (laughs) <laughs> All right, true or false? Jermaine Defetti starts at right guard this year, plays well enough to enter 2021 as the guaranteed starter, which, of course, signing a one-year deal means he gets another contract as a result from his play here in 2020. Oh, wow, that's, that's that's a good one, Will. Um, man, I'll go with I'll go with true. I'll go with true that Jermaine Effetti. Maybe it's another one-year prove-it deal again because obviously this one's dirt cheap for Jermaine Effetti to be playing on with with the Bears this year. But if he proves himself and Juan Castillo is as advertised, someone that can make people better, why not? I, look, I'm, I'm being hopeful, very hopeful that Juan Castillo could do everything that the Bears are hoping he can do. So true. All right. I have true as well. I think I've been a little higher on Effetti than you have. I, you're starting to warm up to the idea, it seems like, as we're going through this offseason, which... I think it's typical. The closer you get to the season, the more hopeful we get for what type of year is to come. Uh, but for the Bears, Fetty panning out would be a huge win for them as we're trying to find that Kyle Long replacement. He's still very young. I think he's like 26. So there's a lot of football in front of him as well. Very raw guy. Again, if you can just put those pieces together, and I do believe guard is his more natural fit, uh, it could be a win for the Bears to snag him in as cheap as they did and to lock him in here in Chicago. Of course, that's best case scenario and uh, everything could definitely alter as we go through the season. But, Nick, I want to know, what's going to be your bold prediction for the Bears' offensive line? Always interesting figuring out a bold prediction for a unit. Obviously, when we don't have to talk about them or when we don't have talking points about an offensive line, that's best-case scenario. Uh, we don't want to have to talk about these guys because too often it's going to be negative. But if a bold prediction, if you had to come up with one for the offensive line, what would it be? Yeah, so I had I had a little trouble coming up with a good one for this, but I think this will hopefully be suffice here. So I looked up at Football Outsiders. They have a couple of metrics to kind of grade and evaluate the offensive line. One of them is power success. And I'll kind of read off what that is. Power success is percentage of runs on third or fourth down, two yards or less to go, that achieved a first down or a touchdown. And this also includes run on first and goal and second and goal from the two-yard line or closer. And the Bears finish 31st in this category with a success rate of only converting on 50% of those downs on third or fourth down with two yards or less to go. My bold prediction is that with the help of Juan Castillo and basically the same offensive line, the Bears will jump up to 64%, which would put them at a league. That's the league average. So they'll go from 31 to what would be 16th with a 64% power success rate and that's something that obviously will help the bears in those short yard situations which they struggled with so much last year 
They really did. It's sad that a bold prediction gets us to league average, but I'll take the improvement <laughs> if it happens. Yeah, so that's what when I was making it like, uh, we're not going to say they're going to be the top 10 or anything. Let's just get to average. Like that's the word that we were talking about earlier, Will. So it comes full circle at the end here. Average. Average. Uh, for me, I have Charles Leno Jr. Which, coincidence, maybe. Uh, but for my bold prediction, he's going to cut down his total pressures allowed from a season going half, which only have him at 20 for the year. And he'll also lead the team with the least amount of sacks allowed for the entire season. Uh, so a big bounce back year is going to be my bold prediction for the Bears offensive line and specifically Charles Leno Jr. But Nick, uh, we talked about it all of last season, off and on this offseason, throughout this show. The offensive line was so bad last year. Uh, we, I'm glad we're not harping on it. We're looking into 2020, looking for years of improvement, not really ripping them to shreds for what they did a year ago, though we know improvement is needed across the board. But how confident are you in this group? How, how confident are you in the fact that they can rebound? I think last year we had decent levels of confidence in this group, like high eights, middle eights. I don't think my confidence meter is going to get there today, but I'll let you go first. Where's your confidence meter for the Bears offensive line? Yeah, I, I think a lot is riding on Juan Castillo. It, it really is. It, it, this guy needs to make each one of these guys better. And if he doesn't, if he fails, if his techniques or his teaching doesn't work, we're going to see a lot of the same struggles in, in 2020. But I'm still not it's the same group of guys. So I don't know how I could be that much more confident in them. It, it just has to be on Juan Castillo all goes back to Juan Castillo. So I think confidence meter until they prove me wrong, until I see it on the field, until they provide that push, it's going to be what if a, a 5.9, a six, like it's not quite there. And there's a lot riding on Juan Castillo. I know we, I, maybe we talked him up throughout this podcast, but I need to see it. I need it because we think we have what two maybe average tackles at best. Or we've seen them play better, but we're only thinking maybe they could play at average this year. We see Daniels. He has a potential, but we got to see it with continuity and just consistency with him. We know we have a white hair, and it's a wild card with a Fetty. So there's a lot of question marks, and the one solution is Juan Castillo. So if he doesn't, if it doesn't work out, there's no fallback plan. So there, and that's where it could all go wrong again. So it's like a five point nine. Borderline six for the confidence, and it really could be lower when I actually think about this. <laughs> You're like, when I actually say <laughs> these things out loud, you know? It's like a four. <laughs> Whoa. Shocker. I'm right there with you. I'm at a 5.5. Uh, you hit on a lot of the good reasons why we can't be ultra confident in the starting group. Uh, like you said, the wild card with the Fetty and just everything we saw for them a year ago. And then you look at 2018, and then I get mixed feelings because I saw them play at a much higher level, the same four guys. Uh, So it's tough. It's like, what do you believe? Like, who are these players? And the realistic thing we need to probably grasp is they're probably somewhere in the middle uh, at best uh, as a unit. I mean, they can definitely prove us wrong, but I think 2018, unfortunately, may be a peak. So maybe getting close to it is what we need to strive for here. Uh, But like you said, a lot's on Juan Cancillo. He does have a very difficult job. Uh, I was going to say ahead of him, but God forbid he hasn't been starting on that since he's been hired here months ago. Um, But when he getting here in season, I'm sure they'll get even more difficult. But Nick, we'd even hit on the other point, which is the depth. Like, I don't know. It's it's also very murky and muddy waters where I don't really trust that depth. I mean, Jason Spriggs 
he's he wasn't good in Green Bay. He was fine. Um, but for a swing tackle, if that's end up the role he earns here in Chicago, I can accept it. But then Coward, if he's your backup guard or tackle, I think we know that's not going to be overly great. Uh, Bars, he's only had 11 snaps in the NFL. So it's a lot of unknowns here when it comes to the depth. And for me, that's what makes it even more difficult to raise our confidence in this group as a whole. Because as many question marks as we believe we have for the starting five, I'm sure we can find an equal amount here for the depth as well. Yeah, that's a really good point, Will. And I think one thing that we didn't mention in this podcast that's also going to factor into the run game having success or not, Clancy Barone, the tight ends coach, is actually tasked with being, I think I, I think the label's run game coordinator. He's going to collaborate a lot with Juan Castillo in trying to fix everything that went wrong with the Bears last season. Obviously, what was that, Helfridge and Heastan last year, it's going to be Barone, uh, Clancy Barone, and then also Juan Castillo this year. It's a lot. It's a lot of the coaching. This coaching needs to be able to bring the play up of every single player. If not, like I said earlier, it's not going to work here in Chicago. Absolutely, can't really add any more than that, uh, Nick. I know we're not ultra confident in this group, which makes a lot of sense. But I do hope they prove both of us wrong, and they sh- they give us reasons why we should have had more confidence in them. That last year was a fluke, and we can all just move forward. But it's hard to kind of drink that Kool Aid right now. Again, I just hope they prove us wrong. Yeah, absolutely. All right, well, that's going to do it for this episode. I want to thank you for everyone who did tune in. I remember to leave your reviews on Apple Podcasts to just help spread the word on our show. And if you want to support Nick and I's efforts to help some offset some of our costs, what it takes to run this podcast, host our website, um, and all the, all the other tools that kind of go along with them, uh, just help us with a small $5 donation uh, on Venmo at the Chicago Audible or on PayPal, which you can find at chicagoaudible.com slash PayPal. And in return, we'll give you an awesome shout out um, on an upcoming episode. Up next will be our in-depth look at the Chicago Bears running backs. Can David Montgomery take his game to the next level here in year two? What can Tariq Cohen do to become more dynamic in 2020? And what does that running back three position look like heading into training camp? We'll answer all those questions and much more next time. But until then, bear down, Chicago. It's not easy being the one everyone counts on to keep the facility running, no matter the weather or supply chain hiccup. But we get you, Raymond in Buffalo and Maria in Miami, Jules in Minneapolis and Stan in central Indiana, taking control of everything that's under your control. At Granger, we're here for you with experienced branch staff at over 250 locations so you get the product you're looking for. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.